0: Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast.
1: I, I, I spit.
0: I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it.
1: Stryker says tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast.
0: Yes. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. It is Ted Stryker. Thanks for finding this podcast. Whether it's your first time checking it out Or you've been here since day one. And by the way, day one, first episode ever, Tom Morello. (laughs) That was a good way to start. And then I think it may have been Mike Shinoda or Tom DeLong after that. But either way, I appreciate it. Spread the word on Tune On Toast. And this episode with Jacoby Shaddix, I have been wanting to do this since the very first day. And I'm so grateful to Jacoby that this all worked out. And this episode rules. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And I'm not gonna give away everything we talk about. But we go back to like 97 and then talk about getting signed to a big label and Infest and Warp Tour and just everything in between the past, the present the future, life lessons, work lessons. I am beyond inspired by this dude, and I think you will feel the same thing as you listen. So sit back, a hunker down. Maybe you're going on a long drive or a workout or you're cleaning your place. Either way, I appreciate you, and let's get to it. Without any further ado, please welcome to Tuna
1: Toast. He is the front man from Papa Roach,
0: Jacoby Shaddix.
1: Yeah, check one, two, one, two, test one, two. Hello? You got me? I'm on my laptop. My computer was acting funky. wouldn't start up. I'm like, really? Right now?
0: Recording in progress.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, there he is. Jacoby Shaddix is on
0: it on Toast. What's up, buddy? What's up, Strucker? How you doing, dude? How's things? Everything is going absolutely fantastic. I don't know if there's a secret filter you're using, but you look, you
1: have been, look, you look great, man. You look healthy, happy. Uh, How are you feeling? Dude, I, uh... I hit the sauna regularly. That's my trick, man. I just lots of water in the sauna and uh, thank you for the, con- no filter. This is, that's me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But life is good, man. You know, as long as I, as long as I stay out of the way of it, you know what I'm saying? I have a funny way of complicating my life sometimes. So, you know, I got to be aware of that, but life today is good.
0: Good. When you say that you have a way at times of complicating your life. How many years ago or decades ago were you able to take stock of that? There are things that you do that could complicate your personal life and maybe even your career.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I think I think back to 2004 when I first tried to put the bottle down. Uh, that was a moment in my life. It was like a, a turning point, you know, an, an awakening essentially. And I just was really on. I was like straight. I was like the back row of the struggle bus. You know what I mean? And so I had to, I had to change some things up and, you know, I'm just, I'm a work in progress, man. That's the reality. And, you know, it's like, as I, as I peel back the layers of self and, you know, through art and just spiritual practices, it's like it, uh, I find it's just the journey that it is, that is the gift that I got. You know what I mean? It's just like, don't squander the gift.
0: When I look back on 2004, that's the year Getting Away With Murder was released. Yeah. Many people may think, wow, look at this dude, the front man of Pop Roach. He's got it all. They've put out three or four full-length albums. People that love pop music love them. Heavy metal yeah. people love them. Bands from the 80s love them. Radio loves them. But still, with all that love, it was hard for you to control yourself and I'm sorry that you had to go through all that man
1: it's you know it, it is what it is man it's my story and you know I look back upon those times in my life and it's like being able to trudge through those moments and have people around me like lifting me up and and believing in me and then ultimately eventually learning how to believe in myself you know what I mean and what a powerful you know sea change moment in my life you know and It was a roller coaster for a minute. I fell off and got back on and fell off and got back on. Finally put the bottle down in 2012. I got to tell you, that was like, yeah, (laughs) life rips. You know what I'm saying? Right,
0: right. Yeah. I haven't necessarily been there from the very first day, like in 97, like the indie full length. But in 1999, I was there and I listened to the music and I saw you and I met you and I was blown away in all ways and watching you and the guys have just as much success today as you did then makes me feel so good because you guys put in the freaking work
1: man yeah, Dude, well thanks for being part of our story oh. you know what i'm saying straight up and uh you know we have put in the work that's it's funny that you brought up 1997 i gotta show you this my friend sonny uh texted me this today um he used to play guitar in a band called snot yes as well of course as well as amen and so he sent me this flyer, and it's like, Papa Roach, Salmon, Snot, Incubus, and this is in Vacaville, California, 1997, and like, you know, we didn't, we weren't on a record company, it was just like us, headlining the show with some, you know, Snot just dropped their record, Incubus was on, what what label was that? Uh, Immortal? Right. You know, So right. like, it's just a cool little blast from the past, man, so, you know, as I reflect upon that, it's like, I think... The early days, you know, and really like slugging it out in the trenches with my brothers and P. Roach really like formed this bond that just couldn't be broken. And and uh, to this day, man, we're still solid. And even in a, through a member change, right, with mm-hmm. Dave Buckner right. and uh, moving and Tony Palermo joining the band, I've still be, been able to maintain this like solid relationship with Dave, which has been amazing. You know, it took some years to come back around, but I think the early years of doing this, and just you know, in the van, falling, peeing in Gatorade bottles, waking up with a Gatorade <laughs> bottle full of pee in front of your face, like I'm in the van, like what the heck is going? You know, those moments, and like to where we are now, it just it trips me out. It trips me out. I'll go to the Troubadour sometimes, and I'm just like, it's memory lane right here. This is.
0: I have questions about the Troubadour, but I want to go back to Vacaville, and maybe even that specific show that you just showed me with Snot and Incubus.
1: Who booked you
0: that gig? in your hometown, you put in the legwork to do that? Or you had a manager doing
1: that? How did it work? Back in the day, we started as our own promoters. And that's how we rolled in the beginning. And it was, uh, we called it Onion Hardcore, because Vacaville was the onion capital of California or whatever. That was was our claim to fame. And so this one, eventually, we had started doing shows and uh, coming to Sacramento and doing shows out here, connected with uh, a group called 420 uh, Music Presents which eventually turned to 720, um, which eventually Eric Rushing and Brett Baer, those guys moved on to, uh, they're working in for Live Nation now, you know? So those dudes were like players in the game way back in 1987 that built with us. And so this show was put on by 420. So that was a Sacramento production company. And uh, yeah, man, I'm blown away, right? I'm like, we're, we're not signed. We right. don't have a record deal, but we're pulling like a thousand kids in Jesus Vacaville. Christ. And Yeah. Why wow. would, you know, Incubus and Snot be opening for Papa Roach and we don't ha- even have a record deal? It's because we had this special little thing happening in NorCal that, you know, those bands would come through and be like, oh, snap, we want to play in front of this audience. Like, this is dope. But how'd you build that audience there? So I grew up out here. I yeah. saw System. I saw
0: Linkin Park. I saw Incubus at the Roxy. I saw him at the Whiskey. Yeah. I saw the. But I wasn't in your area. Like, how did you build up that fan base there?
1: Um, So our scene was, you know, essentially we would go to Sacramento and go, you know, Bo's Cattle Club at the time, go watch Deftones or go to Berkeley (sighs) and uh, watch AFI or Screw 32 or Green Day at Gilman. And just seeing that scene and feeling like, man, we could build something like this in our own town. Like, because we didn't have anything at Vacaville, small town in between San Francisco and Sacramento, not much going on there. Well, there was this teen center and we twisted this guy's arm. We were like, listen, we want to put on, can we put on shows here? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what if we donate all the money back to the teen center? It's not about making money for us. It's about, you know, just let's get the the homies in the room and make music. And, and there was all these bands in Vacaville. Um, A lot of them were like indie um, and, you know, a couple riot girl groups and very like punk rock. And we were the band with the funk finger and, you know, we would just go and like, promote these we'd go flyering that was our big deal like we would just go flyer yo show at the community center three oaks community center and we'd be out i'd call up the band members i'm like yo dude let's roll out Dude, we're gonna go flyer you know we did it by word of mouth and plus like you know, coming out of high school, it was like, we just hit up all the homies. And so it was, it was a hustle. Good for you. Was there anybody in your life? And this is not a
0: negative thing coming for me at all. I swear. It's just a question. Was there anyone in your life, they're looking at you, a 17 year old and you got flyers and you got all these hopes and dreams and you're going for it. It was like, you know, um, it's much harder than you think. Uh, Maybe you should try thinking of doing something else.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I had, I had, I mean, my parents were kind of like, all right, well, good luck with that. You know, they, they definitely supported the creativity, but they my mom warned me, she's like, that's a hard road to travel. And I'm just like, I, I just I got this calling in me. I just couldn't yeah. shake it. And uh I just had that I had that calling, I think, from a young age. I really wanted to be a musician and I just had to find my path, you know. And it's even the way I became a singer was I didn't start out a singer, you know.
0: What'd you start out as?
1: So uh I met my drummer Dave Buckner on the football field. We played football together, and uh I uh he was a drummer. I was a drummer as well. And I'm like, dude, let's put our drum sets together so we can have like, you know, the big old. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I brought my drum set over there and he turned out to be a way better drummer than I was. I was like, damn, dude, you're dope. I just sit on the side and be like, man, this guy's dope, dude. I'm just grooving to him. So I bought a bass. I got a bass guitar. Um, A couple months later, my bass guitar got stolen out of the back of my truck, out of the campus show in my truck. And like, what gives, man? Like, I want to rock. And I remember Dave telling me, he's like, dude, fuck it, man. Be a singer, dude. It's free. (laughs) <laughs> and uh that's how I became literally that's how I became a singer. Pretty ridiculous. The first shows that you guys played, were you called Papa Roach? Oh yeah. Papa Roach since the beginning, man. First show was a school talent show. We were trash. <laughs> we didn't have a guitar player yet. You know, what were you among- singing? Or, sorry? What songs were you singing? Original or covers? Uh so we did uh we did an original song called Papa Roach, which was terrible. <laughs> and then uh we did a cover of the red hot chili peppers cover of fire okay. by Jimi Hendrix. So, those were the two that we started out with, man, and we just started now eventually we signed up Jerry our guitar player, mm-hmm. you know, the kid from across town that was painting dungeons and dragons figurines and listening to Metallica, brought him in the fold and next thing you know, we were ready to go. We were headed we were headed for the top. We believed it.
0: Right. <laughs> and before we get further, I want to tip my cap to Jerry uh Tobin oh, yeah. Tony. And of course, Dave, of course, you, met not in the band, just like what an unbelievable unit and a force you guys are back in 2000 though. I mean, I didn't know anything in my small bubble and your bubble much bigger than mine. And I get that, but how did you know how to conduct yourself on the business side of it when it came to a bigger label, having interest in you? How, how'd you know what to do?
1: Oh man. So we enlisted this fellow by the name of uh, Brett Baer to manage us alongside this guy named Gary Avila. And they started, uh, I mean, they were pretty sharp. Brett dropped out of, out of law school. He was just like, I'm done with this lawyer stuff. Like I just want to be in, you know, music management and always was passionate about music. And he was a knowledgeable guy and we felt safe with this dude. He was, he was, we felt he was trustworthy and he was, and uh, they started, uh, taking us down to LA and we would do shows down there, uh, free Monday nights at the Troubadour. Right. And then we were going down to Riverside and trading shows with alien ant farm. Alien ant farm would come up North. We'd go down there and open for them at the barn. I had no business smarts. Like I just was a a hustler. You know what I mean? Like that's, I moved out when I was 17. I was a hard worker. You know, I didn't, I did life my way. Um, I suited up, showed up, paid the bills, um, and when it came to the band, I was, uh, the work ethic was strong. It was like, I couldn't wait to get to band practice. I was just that guy, you know, but as far as the money and the numbers and stuff like that, I was just not my deal. Never was really my, my main focus, like to be like rich or whatever. It was more about the, it's always been about the music. You know what I mean? Like, that has been like the driving force behind this. Uh, and I made a lot of mistakes too. You know, I didn't have all, I, I didn't know, you know, the business it's, it's a tough business and I yes. learned by taking my lumps, you know, but that's all right. Maybe taking your lumps
0: sometimes in front of the public leads to connectivity, which leads to longevity because people feel closer to you.
1: Well said, (laughs) I think, you know, it's like I've definitely been an open book with with my struggles and my ups and downs. And that's just who I am. And I think, yeah, that definitely humanizes me. Right. And and I feel that the humility that I have had throughout the Mm -hmm. years has been one of the greatest gifts for me and my longevity and, and my, my reputation in the business, you know, although I've been a knucklehead, you know, it's like, uh, there's a reputation that precedes us. That's we're definitely grateful for. And we've worked hard to maintain because it's, we care, we care about the music, we care about the people, we care about the genre. You know, I want to keep pushing rock into the future, doing my best, doing my part, you know,
0: and doing it your way. When I listen to ego trip or I listen to leave a light on, I get warm inside because I say Papa Roach is making songs that are making them feel good in this moment exactly. It's how they're feeling. They're not trying to appease to someone in 2004. This is it. If you want to stay on board with us with Leave a Light On, you're welcome, and anyone else can jump on board with us right now. Am I on the right track with that?
1: Absolutely, man. I think music for us has always been that. It's a reflection of life, and like I said earlier, it's just this journey. There's not necessarily a, it's it's not about the destination. It's about that journey, right? And the, the music is the story. You know, for us, the story that we've wanted to tell throughout our career has just been how do we be authentic and honest in our music and just throw down in a real way. And I think we've been able to maintain that for the most part, and especially with a song, with where we're at now with Ego Trip and just how vulnerable and how far I let the walls drop it was a it was a gnarly record for for me to make personally just because it was like my producer team really like pushed me so deep into. I don't want to sing about this I don't want to write a song Mm. called liar you know like uh you know but they're like you got to be real you got to be real dude stop trying to like sugarcoat your life man when I do that I always land into a place that where I feel kind of uncomfortable And I think that that space is where I grow, you know what I mean? Because if I'm comfortable, I'm chilling on my couch, just scrolling on YouTube and there ain't no growth in that. There's just me turning into a blob on the couch. And so I think a certain amount of, uh, I guess, being uncomfortable is important.
0: When it comes to being uncomfortable, is it, you in your own skin or is it how your family members are going to perceive perceive these tunes and potentially look at you in a different way does that ever enter your mind or no
1: oh yeah oh, oh yeah and I think as I think as my sons have matured more I've been able to have more adult conversations with them about my struggles and 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 who I am and and where I came from and really like honestly grow closer with my boys through that um and yeah, man, it's like, I also want my, you know, my life to be a, a kind of a warning to my kids too, you know, cause I mean, they t- my son's 21. He's off in, uh, he's in Iowa going to college and got another boy who's out in Nebraska going to college. And I mean, I do have one more, he's in there, he's doing homeschool okay. right now. He's t- Brixton's 10, you know, but it's like, I've been able to like drop the walls and really just be real with it. And, you know, we wrote a book, like we did a book bu- this last two years uh, we, we wrote a book about the early years of Papa Roach um, that really is like, it, it, it is breaking it down. You know what I mean? And and uh, I, I don't know if I would necessarily, necessarily be as willing to let my walls down that far um, some years ago.
0: If you didn't get yourself together the way you are mentally and have the self-awareness you have now, it's possible that you still could have written great songs, but maybe your attitude and how you were acting wouldn't allowed the success to happen because you were too unsettled in the other things. And so yeah. I'm super happy for, for you, your health and the talent and everything that not only are we here today, but the band is like bigger than ever, man. It's amazing to see.
1: Yeah, man, it's a it's a good space, you know, and I mean, I know plenty of plenty of musicians out there that are straight off their rocker that are still making dope ass music. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not always the case for everybody, just for me, you know, is that personal choice. And I, uh, I still want to make music that's, that inspires people that, that feels, I don't know, that just moves people, you know? And so that's always the goal. Um, you know, and I, I heard you bring up, leave a light on earlier. And I just kind of want to reflect on that one a bit, that one, you know, for For me, I think evolving the way I have and being at this point where I'm sending my kids out into the world and they're, you know, I'm like me and my wife are like, I hope we did good, (laughs) you know, but I wanted to write something for them. That was pretty much just said, like, no matter what, where you're at in your life, what's going on, like never think that you can't call me up, hit me up because I want to walk through the tough stuff with you no matter what. And uh, I needed my boys to know that and wanted to put it into a song and you know, kind of find out it's just that's the message, man, that so many people need to hear right now is that there is hope, that there is help, that there is uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I'm saying? And it sometimes it just takes uh, us being willing to ask for help or us being willing to help somebody else. And uh, in this time, day and age where people are struggling up here more than ever, I think that's a great message to be putting out there.
0: It's an awesome song. Was there any discussion on what sort of tempo the song was going to be? Or was it always in your mind a, kind of a slower tempo song?
1: Oh, yeah. It it just felt with this type of message, it just needed to be as stripped down and raw as possible. Mm. And, you know, I've always been like a, a huge Johnny Cash fan. And, and I remember when uh, Johnny Cash did that song Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Yes. And it just had this raw emotional feel about it and it really moved me. And, and I, and I wanted to do something that made me feel that way. It did texturally, sonically, it doesn't sound the same at all in any regard Um, or the messaging, you know, it's totally different, but wanted something to just be really raw and, and, and emotive. And it just felt natural to keep it on acoustic guitar and bring in some piano and some strings on it. And, you know, we thought about it towards the end of the song, lifting it up and like then going full electric. And then we're like, man, that just feels like the generic way out. Like, Maybe we could do that live, but on record, we just wanted to keep this thing full acoustic ballad. And good. it's one of my favorite songs that we performed last year on tour, man. It really just such a dynamic moment in the set.
0: Can you give the producers a shout out? Because you mentioned them that they were pushing you when you were making Ego Trip, which is your 11th full length album. Who'd you work with?
1: Yeah. So we worked with actually a, a few different producers. Um, we worked uh, with Colin, Britton and Nick Furlong. That oh, was yeah. Like a, yes. Yeah. That was the core team right there. And then uh, we went and worked um, with Jason Evigan on a couple tracks for the record, and then we worked with a dude named uh, Drew Folk, and all those groups of producers, man, really just understood where we were coming from and pushed us in ways that we needed. I think it's it's good for us to get out and just I don't know, man. It's like we've been making music together for so long, right? It's like the same thing over and over. It's so good to get in a room with fresh blood. Where this there's this like new inspiration in the room, and uh, working with uh, Nick and Colin for the last three albums has just been, it's been great. Really has, man. I've and those, they've grown to become great friends of mine, and just great. dope to watch them grow as men themselves. Do you feel uh, I don't know if
0: confident or comfortable is the right word, but more collaborative as you've aged? Because I have found like that's like my favorite word now. Whoever wants to help me get this done, even if it's only 10% of my idea, if it's better for my podcast or my show and you, I only gave the 10% idea. Let's, let's still do that.
1: Oh, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I gotta, I gotta, I've been, I mean, 11 records, right? Yes. About four albums ago started co-writing with, with Crooked Teeth or no, uh, Crooked Teeth. Yep. Even before that, um, on, uh, the connection and, uh, it just has been like, so such a great process for me to collaborate outside of myself. Cause I have a tendency of being in a room by myself and writing all, writing everything and then shooting everything down. And that's like one of my main, main issues is like, I, after a while, it's like, you write yourself into a corner almost, and you don't want to become a, I don't want to become a parody of myself. And so I was at a point where I'm like, all right, old dog needs to learn new tricks Mm. you know what I mean and so getting in the room with other people and collaborating and songwriting has been such a I love it it made me honestly fall in love with the process again because sitting in a room by myself which I, I I will sit in the room by myself and write like that's a great thing too and uh I will continue to do that as well but just collaborating has been such a great growth experience for me because it's it's inspired me and and like old dog learns new tricks, you know what I'm saying? And made the best idea win.
0: Right. And uh, we
1: came down again and and uh, did like a, a week in December, a week in January, and we got like six new tracks that are freaking bangers <laughs> that I'm just like I'm so excited about. And uh, it's a it's a, it's a great process. Collaboration is is key.
0: Yes, I am. Thousand percent with you on that. Which bands did you tour with early on where it was an official tour where I don't know how it went down, but all of a sudden you did 20 dates with this band who at that time may have been bigger than you. Who were those
1: artists? In the beginning, correct. Seven dust was like the first one that took us to out, like the bigger band. Cause we did, you know, we did a couple shows with Deftones and a few shows with Far and some shows with Snot and a couple with Incubus and a couple with uh Alien. Alien Ant Farm, but never like a tour. Well, it was only a week long, but it felt like, you know, a big deal to us. And we did like a West Coast run with Seven Dust. And that was such a great time. I remember, I remember leaving from Reno in the van, hugging my wife, going, <laughs> love you. See, seeing like, you know, 10 days and just going out there and smashing the shows with those boys in Seven Dust. And, and that was great. And then after that, uh, it was Warp Tour it was like straight to warp tour here we go and that okay because we did or no no we took a band called not waving but drowning out on tour and taproot taproot was another one um, that we had taken out on tour and then after we did that taproot tour we went and did the warp tour and that was the tour that just freaking blew us up it just rocket shipped us to the top on that run hold on hold on a minute here
0: hold on Kevin Lyman somehow connects with Papa Roach to say, would you like, right? Would you like yep. to come out on Warp Tour? Yep. Do you know going out that you're going to be, and I don't remember, you're going to be on the smallest stage here at 12 noon or yeah. you guys are like, what What was the situation for the so shows? When,
1: so when we started out on that run, it was P. Roach on the third stage, you know, two o'clock. Yeah. Um, and at the, that point, you know, we we're like, all right, fine. That's what's up. Well, the song started blowing up. And already we kind of had a vibe going in Cali from the work that we have been doing for the past six, seven years going up and down the coast. Um, I think it was Fresno was like the first or second date and the barricade got broke. (laughs) People were jumping like off the top of the, you know, off the top of the awning of the stage up there. And it was just like mayhem and uh, the work tour team, like, ran to can't come and assist and hold the barricade and, and the next day they they came to us and they were like all right we got to like move you up to the bigger stage cuz it's just there's people are feeling this and so throughout the tour you know we were in the early bands and doing that and then as the tour went on we started moving up in the day and then by the time like we were like on the east coast we were like we'd play and then green day would play and weezer would play and I'm just sitting there like what is happening dude? this this is wild, you know, going from like being this small band to like all of a sudden these, everybody's going buck nutty at the P. Roach show. Like, wow, what a great, what a great summer. What a great summer that was. Um, it's like the movie That Thing You Do, except they were one-hit
0: wonders, and you, of course, are not even close to that. They started off on a tour, and they were the opening number, and no one cared, uh, and then throughout that tour for That Thing You Do with the wonders, they're the yeah. biggest acts,
1: and that was the same, same thing with you. As a, it was a wild time. That era in music and in the music business. Yeah. It it really was like, I'm so grateful that we we came in at that point in time. And you know, it, it we've seen a lot of change happen in the industry since. Right, um right. It is what it is though, man. It's all about that evolution. But yeah, trip out, man. Going from nothing to a whole lot of something real quick. Oh my God. Well, when you had to make love hate
0: tragedy after infest were there people whispering in your ear on how they wanted you to create or were you left fairly free to do exactly what you guys wanted
1: if they were whispering i didn't hear them okay there's always a ringing in my ear no. mm-hmm. i just was on my own trip you know i think really we wanted to push ourselves and we wanted to evolve that was that was who we were before we had got signed and with our album Infest, fest there was there was a rock band brewing inside there and uh we went in and we wanted to do something that I wanted to prove myself as a valid rock singer. And so I wasn't the greatest, I'm not, you know, I'm not the greatest singer, but I will say like that album was where I really focused on melody and wanted to enter that space. And, you know, at that time too, it was like the strokes were coming through the, the hives, the vines. A lot of the
0: bands. uh, I remember that clearly,
1: which were some dope ass bands in there, you know what I'm saying? But it changed the landscape of music for us. And we just kind of, when we released the record, it was we we sold like eight hundred thousand, <sighs> but uh, it just didn't connect. Yeah, it, it it's become like Love, Hate, Tragedy has become our Pinkerton in a way. You know what I mean? Like for the hardcore fans, are like, oh, that's the one. Like if you're like a real one, right? That that's that's the record. Um, but me, I look back at that record now, and I'm just like, I was just lost, yeah. really and truly. I was I was really hurting.
0: Getting away with murder though, uh, scars is on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that again, this is just more proof, not to yourselves, but to people out here going, Jesus Christ, we've got a real band on our hands here. I mean, yeah, this is, this is (laughs) four albums in and these songs are this good. Still, there's some longevity here.
1: Yeah. We did after, after touring on love, hate tragedy and, and me, um, really kind of refocusing my life and putting the bottle down and, at at least attempting it, it really refocused the band. And we took interviews with producers and uh, ended up working with Howard Benson. And he, he's, he's done a lot of great records. Yeah. You know, he went on to do uh, work with My Chemical Romance and Three Days Grace and uh, P.O.D. and a lo- lot of great bands. And he really helped us hone our songwriting craft, really and truly. And I think out of every producer that I've worked with, as far as somebody that knew how to get under my skin and draw something out of me that was visceral and raw, Howard was one of those cats. You know, I remember like I had this big old giant vase full of flowers and my wife had sent me a few days ago and, and uh, he was, he was getting under my skin. He's like, he was talking shit to me about sobering up. He's like, that's what's wrong with all these fucking rock musicians. Everybody's sobering up and getting their lives together. And I'm like, but uh, I just snapped. I chucked this thing at the broke this big old giant window. You know, the 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 double windows in the studios broke one of those ended the session, you know, came back the next day and and, you know, we we made peace with it. And it just he knew how to like, I guess he just wanted to see maybe what was inside and draw it out. And I think that that process uh, made for great music and getting a murder man, that album it literally brought the band back from the dead. We started touring and it was like, we were playing in front of 200 people. In Chicago, I remember playing in front of 200 people on that album going, oh, this this might be over. Wow. And, and,
0: I didn't realize that the start of yeah. that album, things have kind of- uh,
1: Oh, bro, to it got gnarly. It built real quick. After we were out there for about a month and Getting Away With Murder was on the radio, that brought the people back. And then Scars comes <sighs> and then all scars. of a sudden- oh, What a song, what a song that is. <laughs> It just blew that song just went through the roof for us. I mean, I somewhere around here, probably in the closet over there, there's a uh, there's like a ASCAP or a BMI award, but it it made it into the top five at pop radio, right? Like for a band like us, how do, how do we get on? Not only did it do rock and alternative and yeah. hot AC, but yeah. pop radio, what the huh? So that was a really big one for us. And so that br- that resurrected the band and, and afforded us a future.
0: I have a few questions based on what you just said. I'll do one at a time. Was that when you went off to do the anger management tour after you put out getting away with murder? Nope. Anger no. management
1: tour uh, on infest and love, hate tragedy. Oh, Okay.
0: Who was on that tour with you guys? And did you enjoy that one? Cause we talked warp tour and that was amazing. But what about anger management tour?
1: First anger management tour is dope. Limp Biscuit, Eminem, Papa Roach and exhibit. That was like <laughs> hands down. One of the sickest tours we'd ever done. That was so dope. Um, and then the next one, it was Eminem. Stained, maybe? No, Linkin Park. No, it was it was all hip hop. Oh wow. Eminem, Ludacris. Oh, I forgot who it was, but it was all hip hop. There was we were the only rock band on the tour, and that one was kind of like, what What are we doing? <laughs> Is this the right tour for us? And we slayed. We sold tons of merch, but it it was on Love, Hate, Tragedy, and I just don't think that we made. The, the right record at that point in time, I think the fans wanted something more like infest, really mm-hmm. and truly um because we saw you know we saw our friends in Lincoln Park release hi- their I think it was Hybrid theory and then it was meteora yeah. and Meteora was I think an evolution of their band, but it still harkened to the to the original sound of the band where we kind of jumped a little too far ahead, you know and I uh gotcha. but you know, I think that uh everybody's got a unique and and different path and what a, what a wild time. Do you know the movie,
0: or have you seen the movie Whiplash?
1: Oh, is that the one with the drummer teacher? Yes. Yeah, he's hardcore.
0: So I believe that it, if someone wants to be the best, you will walk on hot coals, and you will do everything it takes to get there. That teacher, the whiplash on the student, he wanted to be the best. Just for a millisecond, yeah. it sounded like that's what Howard Benson was doing to you when he got under your skin and you threw the flowers. He was like... He was pushing your buttons so, so, so hard that yeah. led you to acting like that. But what happened then? You came back and did incredible work.
1: I know. It is, it is pretty wild, you know. It uh I think it's I was learning too at that time just how to deal with my emotions. Like I just been covering him up with that drink, you know what I mean, and just didn't know how to really live and and in the process opening up and being vulnerable about this. And, you know, he just knew how to get in there and just like tweak just tweak my heart you know and i'm just like god i'm too sensitive for this shit and but made it it made for great art and what a what Absolutely. a great dude i mean really now it's like i got i got a good relationship with that cat you know a, a relationship where like we went and did an audit and we found a bunch of money that was rightfully his that he never knew about right and i'm like yeah, you gotta give him the money so we hit him up we're like yo dude check this out bro but ching we've done it we did the same thing with our friend uh uh brennan o'brien dude there was we did an audit and found money and we're like i had tracked him down i'm like dude what's up i haven't talked to you in like 18 years what <laughs> i need your business manager's contact we sending you money you know what i mean good stuff
0: what was their reaction because they've they've got dough but to hear the honesty but also know that as a result of their work all those years ago they had some dough coming their way what did oh, they yeah, say man.
1: That's a good thing. I just, when it comes to business, I've, I feel that honesty is the best policy. I've, I just, it's the way to go. And, uh, it's always, it's always given me the opportunity to work with somebody and then not work with them and then work with them again. You know, I've had relationships with people in business where I'm like, all right, we ain't doing this right now. It's not feeling right. And then I'll work with them again down the road. And, uh, you know we just be straight with each other and that's that's a good, that's the good stuff right there i mean that's the reputation we're trying to uphold you know what i mean
0: yeah um from just seeing you on social media and we've talked about your kids two are in college one's in the other room homeschooled and, and one of your kids maybe even two played sports did you play any sports in high school or were you just focused on music
1: played played football and a little bit of track i did the shot put or something like that but Whoa. i was really mainly focused focused on music i I was not really much the athlete, you know. I had two left feet. Well, hold on a minute. In football, what position did you play? So, I played on the offensive line. I wasn't a big dude. Yeah. But I was just a I was explosive. I was I was pretty <laughs> violent and vicious on on the football field. Um, but, you know, I was on the O-line. I wasn't the guy running the ball. I wasn't I wanted to be the guy that was like the guy, and I couldn't do it on the football field. I had to do that in music. Yeah.
0: Hey, do you feel the camaraderie? among bands in 2024 and the support that each band gives other bands? Cause I see it and I feel it. And I just saw you with Brent Smith doing karaoke. Oh, yeah. Brent Smith was just on my show, by the way. Was so, it, yeah. He was amazing. Was it always like that with you and other bands or did it feel more competitive at some point?
1: Um, it's always been competitive. Still is. I love the competition. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just, we did a, we did a run with shine down and it's like, all right, what's our merch numbers tonight? All right. What did they do? You know, it's like, I like that competition. And uh, you know, or even, we took out falling in reverse and it's like, we got this new shiny toy out on tour with us and he's smashing it. And I'm like, all right, man, that motherfucker stole the show. We got to go steal it back. And I like that. I I still have that very competitive nature in me and, and I'm, I'm glad that that's still alive, but there's also at the end of the day, you can let that drop. And like, we gotta have friends in this business. You know what I'm saying? It's like I can't just be like on an island. That's the reality. And I've I've made really great friends with Brent. He's been one of those guys that's just like such like a brother to me, honestly and truly. He's I can call him up and rap through some real stuff with it with that guy. And you know, even Eric and Zach, that whole band, honestly. But that spirit of competition is is good but yeah i like collaborating with the homies i just did some stuff with chris uh we were in nashville and and somebody had told me oh chris chris is looking wants to come out to the show and i was like does chris want to get on stage and sing scars with us so i hit him up i'm like bro what's up man he's like i'm going into the doctors right now i'm like oh shit well hey you want to come sing with us tonight he's like let me think about that i'll call you right afterwards Pissed me up. He's like, Oh dude, I'd love to man. So he came out and just, we rehearsed it in the backstage wow. on an acoustic guitar, went on stage and ripped it. And then we were like, Oh damn, that sounds so good. We mixed it, put it out. And, uh, yeah, man, he's, he's a real, he's a real one. We, uh, just a little long winded on that, but we put out that song and, uh, we'd been doing a campaign with uh American foundation for suicide prevention. And, uh, so we'd already been partnering with them and donating money each night from the shows. Well, we took and released the version of Scars with Chris Doctory on it. And it's a live version. And all the proceeds are going to the American Suicide uh, Foundation great. or American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And uh, Chris is part of that one as well. And so, you know, doing some goodwill out there with these people that, you know, we love and respect is like, it's dope, man.
0: That's great, man. I love hearing that. I don't know if you're friends with M shadows at all, or maybe you've never said one word to him, but I feel like the combination of a symptom of being human from shinedown. I yeah. feel like leave a light on from you. And I feel like a few of the songs from the latest Avenged Sevenfold album. album. Yeah. These are three totally separate human beings who have said, and I may have mentioned this earlier in the pod, but it's just something that I really like and appreciate. We're making the songs we want to make. You oh, can go with yeah. us if you want or yeah. just stay back there. We're not 26 year olds anymore. We're grown yeah. ass men.
1: Uh M Shadows is, is a buddy of mine, okay. man. I, I hadn't seen him for a while. And we did Sick New World and they were released, they were doing a release party for their album. And I was like getting in the elevator, or I I was waiting for an elevator, and he comes down. And I was like, Bro, what's up? And we got to rapping, man, and just caught up real quick, like fast friends again, man. And got nothing but love and respect for those guys in that band bench unfold dude and they are making the music that they want to make and I think that's important I think it's important for bands to make that statement you know and it's not always about the radio single or right. or uh but how do you make music that's that's gonna inspire people or challenge people and you know for instance our song leave a light on like you know for the people that like the heavy music it ain't for them but give it a shot you know what I mean and and that honestly this song leave a light on is is it's catching a fire, man. It it's, it's happening. And I'm, it is, yeah, it's, it's, I'm so grateful just with having the cause, you know, working with the American foundation for suicide prevention, that element as well as the message of the song and really like it's connecting and, you know, for an artist, that's, that's what we're, that's what we dream of. Man
0: 11 number ones for Papa Roach been doing this for <laughs> 25 years or so. It's coming up on the 25 year anniversary of Infest. Yeah, are next you gonna year. Have, right. Are you going to have any plans for that next year? Are you have you? Um, even so thought
1: about it? We, have a, we have a book that is a story told from many different angles all the band members, uh, management, AR, lawyer, fans, some uh, a couple other musicians. I think, uh, uh, Sinister Gates has a chapter in there is, from X7X. Yep, yep. Um, I think. I can't remember. I'd have to flip through it again and find out exactly. But we got the told, the story told from all these different angles. And it's like a quick read. I think it's like 125, 130 pages. And uh, then um, we have, I guess, reimagination, reimaginations that have been happening of our music. You know, Ronnie did Last Resort. Uh, Jarris Johnson did a reimagination of Last Resort. And uh, we're seeing these happen. We just discovered this new cat on TikTok. He did a reimagination of scars. And uh, side note, sidebar, I can get to rambling. But yeah, I forgot I forgot what I was even saying. <laughs>
0: That's all right. I was just talking about the 30, or sorry, 25 year anniversary. Oh yeah,
1: 25th anniversary. You know, it's like, we're going to do some shows that are really centered around that album. Nice. I don't necessarily think I want to do a full tour and do that. I feel like some special events are definitely... Uh, in the works that's
0: a good idea a few special yeah. ones smaller yeah. venues maybe do like seven total around the country two in your hometown might, two in la
1: we might have to come to the troubadour you Let's know we go. Might go hit the whiskey you know something like that yes yes yes
0: yes some new yeah. merch
1: new slash old merch to be released oh dude i got i got i actually have some <laughs> old merch i've kept like pieces and so there's going to be some cool gifts and i've got like a box full of the two song cassette tapes that the that we were pitching around as well as the little sampler cds and stuff like that i got og stuff og stickers posters like i held on to a a decent little cache of stuff so there'll be like some cool things that we can put together plus we're uh we're gonna curate like a not a museum but it's like a like the back of a big old giant uh, trailer that you're gonna it's gonna be all outfitted you walk through the whole thing and it's like a a trip down memory lane. That's going to be part of our show that we take out on tour. And uh, yeah, we're definitely going to celebrate that era and that time and music because how special was that, man? Just a dope time.
0: Yeah. A dope time. But the great thing is, and I'm going to let you go right now. That was a dope time, but you're not uncle Rico from Napoleon dynamite going, Hey, back then I could throw football over the mountains. You're still doing it right now. You're doing it now.
1: (laughs) You know it, man. It yeah. is exciting, dude. It's yeah. like, as I think, as we, as we dream up this next year yeah. and as we pull back the slingshot for 2025, it's like, oh, it's on. It's on. Yep. We got some new people on the team. We got, you know, we got new agents. It's like, it's, there's a fire brewing right now and awesome. and uh, leave a light on is kind of, it's that centerpiece to it. Ego trip was like stoking that fire and we really feel there's a trajectory that's exciting for us right now, and so I'm just I'm grateful to wrap with you about it, man. And thanks, you know, for having me on this, dude. Of course, thank you oh, too. No, toast, let's go, boy. <laughs> what a front man! What a band! Leave a
0: light on is the tune I'm going to play it on my radio show, and this has been my podcast, on. Tuna on Toast, Jacoby Shaddix. Thank you so much for the time and for the love. I appreciate you like more than Absolutely. you can imagine. So thank you, buddy.
1: Thank you, my man. I'll talk to you soon, dude. I'll
0: talk to you soon. Happy snuggles! Bye bye, everybody. That was oh shit! I lost you.
1: That's Ah. another episode of Striker's Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. (sighs) Maybe.